Life Church podcast with Pastor David Sengrieven. We are in the midst of a series called Centered. Uh, it's been a year-long series. We're in like part 28 this week. Um, and I've never done a series this long, so it's kind of, it's been a really enjoyable thing for us as pastors. But we're looking at Jesus Christ, the, the center of the Christian faith, um, the one who we build our faith on. And we're looking at his life, his miracles, his teachings, his parables. And we just finished a section on his parables and began his teachings last week. And today uh, we come to one of his teachings on probably the least popular of the Christian disciplines, and that is fasting. Fasting. Okay, now, um, I don't mind talking about fasting. Uh, I actually like talking about fasting. I like talking about what God has done in my life through fasting. It's been a, a very meaningful discipline to me. It's had um, certain influences in my life. I love, I love talking about all those ideas, but I actually hate doing it. And maybe there's some of you that are like that in here. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian today, and you're like, what is this fasting thing? This might seem like a weird conversation to you today, but hopefully it will help you understand a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus. You'll be able to wrestle through that. Now, the reason that I hate fasting or that I, that I, I tend to really dislike it is because um, there's this big problem. I get really hungry. Um, I love food. And, and maybe, if, maybe some of you can relate with this here, okay? Um, I love food. I love it. I love Culver's uh, Butter Burgers with Fries. And um, I love to just get, like, the snack pack, and, and, and I love to have the, the, the fries really hot and, and crispy on the outside and, and smushy and warm on the inside. And I like to actually pepper them a lot and dip them in mayonnaise, which is, I guess, a really southern thing that Pastor Bill's gotten me going on. And so, Dr. Olson, you have to pray for us because... Uh, <laughs> You know, we're, we're dipping our fries in mayonnaise. And, and, uh, and, and there's good news even beyond Culver's. Uh, we're actually getting a Five Guys just down the road from here. Five Guys Burgers and Fries is coming to Sioux Falls. And, and if you've never had Five Guys, it's just this amazing um, spiritual experience. You know, <laughs> you walk in there and you see all these signs and advertisements and posters up about how awesome it is. So immediately your brain is just like, this is going to be awesome. And then, and then you see, you know, big barrels of peanuts that you can eat while you're standing in line waiting the two minutes for your burger. And so you just start eating right away once you get in there. And, and, um, and they have signs of where the fresh beef has come from. And you know it's going to be fresh beef. And they got other signs of that say, this, this is where we got the potatoes from. They're grown right here in Idaho. And, and then you, you get all these options for toppings. So you pile all this goodness on top of the burger. And I like to try to get as much goodness on top of that burger as I possibly can so that they almost have to get like two pieces of tinfoil to wrap that thing up and, and stuff it into the, this beautiful brown bag. And, and then you order an order of fries and they, they put the fries in there. And, and, and they don't just give you a little cup of fries. They, they fill it full and it's overflowing and they dump it in the bag and then they dump a whole bunch on top of it. So you have to do this wonderful thing. You open up your bag and you're like, where's my burger? I've got to dig through all the fries to get to my burger. And I just love that. I'm just like, this place is the best. And, and I, just, I just love it. I love Five Guys Burgers and Fries. I love to snack. Uh, my family hates this about me. I just, I'm a huge snacker. Maybe some of you in here are grazers. My wife just drives her crazy. But we go over to my parents' house sometimes for Sunday afternoon meal, and we have this big meal of you know, pork chops or steaks or, or whatever, and we just, it's just this wonderful meal, lots of different kinds of things to eat. But my parents also have these wonderful little bowls of goodness, you know, just sitting around on counters and in convenient places. And they're filled with, like, peanuts and M&Ms and, 
and raisins and every, I, I walk around a lot. I do it when I'm preaching. I do it wherever I'm at. And I just got a lot of energy. And every time I walk by, I just grab a handful of that goodness. And I just, I just snack and all the time. And they're like, Dave, stop eating. Just stop it. We're going to eat in about 10 minutes. Can't you just wait 10 minutes to eat? I'm like, what's the point in waiting? There's good stuff to eat right now. I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm going to spoil my appetite because I love to eat pork chops. I love to eat steak. I'm going to eat. And, and hey, I'm not the first one to come up with this snacking idea. They do it at Texas Roadhouse. That's why I love Texas Roadhouse. Um, I love Texas Roadhouse. You walk in there and they say, you're going to eat here with us. You don't have to sit there and wait for a table. Why don't you have some peanuts? And I say, well, I think I will. And I, I, I sit down, and they say, would you like a, you know, a cup of peanuts? Would you like a bucket of peanuts? How about a barrel of peanuts? There's a whole lot of peanuts here. And then if, you're, if peanuts aren't your thing, you can have some fresh, warm buns with cinnamon butter. And I love all of that stuff to the point where by the time my food comes out, I'm like, man, I've already had a great meal. This is only getting better. Um, I love Texas Roadhouse. I love, uh, I love Jenny's hot fudge and ice cream. Oh, man. You know, Jenny, she just made this again last night. She makes the best hot fudge, and I don't know how she gets the texture just right. Sometimes the texture is a little different. I like it just about any way, but I like it when it's almost like chewy. So you have to kind of, and the girls, they always climb up my lap, and, and, and Jada actually reached her hand into my, my, my cup of ice cream to grab the hot fudge out last night because it's, it's just that good. It's just the creamiest, you know, silkiest, smoothest texture, and I love just kind of scooping that in with my ice cream and, and I love my mom's scotch rhubarbs, and, and I love, I love uh, Papa John's pizza. You know, I, I love the barbecue chicken bacon pizza. It's got, it's got barbecue sauce and chicken and bacon. It's like somebody came up with all the most wonderful ingredients and said, hey, let's put it on a pizza. And, uh, and I love it Hawaiian. You know, we go Hawaiian, get pineapple on it. And I just, I love to eat food. Okay, I love it. I just, food is a good thing. The Bible says food is a good thing. Our bodies need food. And so uh, I love to enjoy food, sometimes a little too much, obviously. But um, I want you to know up front that you're not hearing a sermon from a guy that loves to fast and he's super holy and super spiritual and you just, this is something he does, you know, as kind of a hobby. No, this is very difficult for me because of how much I love food. But my prayer is that you would see in me uh, a normal guy um, that, that really struggles with this, saying, there's something here to be had. Um, there's something here that Jesus is pointing us to that points us to a deeper hunger, like Jack was praying about, like we were singing about. There's something here to taste that's better than five guys' burgers and fries, if you can imagine that. All right? And so uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today, looking at Jesus' encouragement for us to fast. And I pray that that is what the Holy Spirit would do in us today as we look at it. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. If you have your Bibles, um, you can turn there with me. Um, otherwise, it will be up on the screen as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. Jesus says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, We thank you even for the difficult things about the Christian life, the disciplines that you give us. We know that you give them to us not to to just make us struggle, but because they point us towards something. They're necessary to show us something. 
And we understand, Lord, that you've given us food as a good gift. And in America, we're so blessed that we never have to miss a meal if we don't want to. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand this principle of fasting and and why it is so important for our lives as Christians. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, I want us to see three big things here in this passage. First of all, I want us to see Jesus' assumption about fasting. It isn't a command of Scripture, but it is an assumption. Um, And he makes it up front. Then I want us to see Jesus' guidelines for fasting. He's going to say, okay, if this is going to be a built-in part of our lives, then we better be doing it right. We better be doing it for the right reasons, for the right motives. And then, uh, lastly, the reward of fasting. Why is it that we fast anyway? Why is it that we do submit ourselves to this crazy practice um, when, when we've got all kinds of great food to eat all around us and it's just thoroughly enjoyable and, you know, I've already gone into all that. But... But why is it that we fast? What's the reward that we're after? Okay, so these three things. Here we go. Um, The first thing, Jesus' assumption about fasting, you notice it right there in verse 16. He says that that painful word, when you fast. He doesn't say, hey, if you get around to it, you know, maybe you can consider fasting once in a while. He doesn't say, hey, I got an idea. Maybe we should fast. He, He says, when you fast. Um, He also says this in Matthew chapter 9 when the Pharisees come in and ask him, why aren't your disciples fasting? You know, John the Baptist's disciples fast, we fast. Um, Why aren't you guys fasting? And Jesus says, well, they're with the bridegroom right now. When the bridegroom is gone, then they will fast. Well, the bad news is we're in that time. We're in the when time. We're in the time when Jesus has left, he's gone up to heaven, and we're waiting for him to come back. And so he says, in this time, they will fast. We will be people of fasting and prayer, of course, which always goes along with fasting. Okay, so this is not a command. This is not a law. You're not going to lose your salvation. This isn't a way to be saved, for sure. Um, This isn't something that you add to your resume to show to God, um, which is sort of what the Pharisees were doing here. But this is something that, out of gratitude for God, you do as a part of your disciplined Christian life. Um, And we're going to see some more reasons for it as we go. But the people of God um, all along had also been fasting. And, and so the Jewish people, they fasted once a year on, on the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, the Pharisees fasted likely, uh, most cases, twice a week. Um, they fasted in repentance. They fasted when they were seeking God for certain things. So Jesus is just affirming a practice that had been going on for the people of God all along. Okay? And so he's saying, when you fast, he's assuming that we're going to fast. And so we have to take heed to what Jesus is saying here in his assumption. We have to assume that we should be people of fasting and prayer. Now, maybe some of you have little, you know, we, you have disorders or, or blood issues, where, blood sugar issues, where you can't go without food for certain amounts of time, or it, it's very dangerous to your health. <clears throat> Primarily, we're talking about fasting food here, but there are other types of fasting. When the Bible talks about fasting, it's usually fasting food, and that's unfortunate, but it's, it's for real. That's the deal. Okay, so you can do other types of fasting. But we're going to be specifically talking about fasting food today. Now, we get to um, the next part, Jesus' guidelines for fasting. And I like what Martin Luther said. He said it was not Christ's intention to reject or despise fasting. It was his intention to restore proper fasting. He's like, I want this to be a built-in part of your life. I want this to be a, a, a Christian discipline that marks you, that forms you. But I want you to do it in the right way. I want to restore the proper 
purpose for it. It had gotten out of whack. It had gotten to be a thing, you know, clearly from Jesus' command here, that was done uh, to show people how awesome you were spiritually. And so that's the first part of Jesus' guidelines we see, is he shows us what not to do. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they, try to, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Okay, so the first thing he says, what not to do, is don't fast to be seen by men. Don't fast to be seen by men. Now, is this not incredibly tempting to do everything in our spiritual lives for the approval, for the praise, for the applause of other people? Ooh, this is addicting. I'm telling you, this is better than food. As much as I love food, I love your approval even more. And that's why you can fast to get it. Because if you think this is going to, people are going to look at me, uh, this is going to increase my status, people are going to look at me in a higher light, people are going to think, wow, what a spiritual giant. To have that is addicting. It's, it's tempting, isn't it? And Jesus says, don't, do, don't fast to receive that kind of a kickback mentally. Don't fast to be seen by men. It's a temptation with every area of our life, and so Jesus confronts it. He confronts it when it comes to giving to the poor. We want other people to see what we're doing. We want other people to approve of us. We want other people to, to, to think that we're something great. You know? and, and so this applies to our conversations. I find myself doing this all the time. If I do something great, or if I, if I give, or if I, I want to bring it up in conversation. Maybe, maybe you don't have a struggle like I do, but I want to bring it up somehow. You know? And sometimes even subconsciously. So I'll just throw it out. Yeah, Jenny and I did this. And I'm like, well, I didn't need to tell them that there. But I wanted, I wanted your approval. And each week I have to wrestle through that. I want the approval of people. I want men to see me and think well of me. I want you all to think that I'm a spiritual guy, that I'm worthy to be your pastor. And you all struggle with the same thing. You want each person around you to think, well, I'm, I, I'm actually I'm a spiritual person. I, I love God. Look at how much I love God. Look at what I'm doing for God. And fasting is so tempting that way. So tempting to take it as such a beautiful thing done under the Lord and make it something done unto men. Jesus says, watch out for that. Super tempting. So tempting that you'll fast to get this. You'll go without food to get approval. Totally legitimate. But then he says something riveting. He says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So if you do that, if you fast to get approval, applause, praise from people, you'll get it. You'll be successful. People will think, man, they're so spiritual. Man, they're just way more holy than I am. I could never do that. I could never be that saintly. And that's exactly what they want. They've got their reward and that's all they're going to get. That's all you're going to get. That's it. So it's, it's a success, but it's a devastating kind of success. You know, John Piper says that success is a dangerous thing when you're aiming at the wrong thing. Isn't it? If you're, if you're aiming at getting the applause, the approval of men, and, and doing a spiritual practice to get that, and you succeed, boy, that's, that's like, it's a really sad form of success because you missed out on, on the greatness that you could have received in God. You missed out on the very purpose of what God intended it for. Now, Jesus says this is hypocritical, and that's a bit confusing at first, because these people are looking somber. Well, when I fast, I feel somber. 
There's nothing hypocritical about that. I feel like I'm dying, actually. Um, when they fast, they disfigure their faces. Sometimes I feel disfigured. I mean, any of you that have fasted before know that this is an unpleasant experience. Um, and that's putting it nicely. You know, you feel like, I'm going to wear sweatpants today. I'm not going to shower. I have no energy. Um, I'm, you know, you might not even brush your teeth. You just get up and you just go. You're just like, man, I have no energy to do anything today. I'm going to be a complete slob today. And so, you know, when you look at this, he's calling these guys hypocrites that are walking around, moping around. Woe is me, I'm fasting. But really, they're, you know, kind of like they're being real. They're telling people how they actually feel. So why does he call them hypocrites? It almost seems like the other people who are combing their hair and washing their face and putting on nice clothes and pretending like they're not fasting, that almost seems more hypocritical, doesn't it? So why does he call them hypocrites? Well, it's because fasting is saying, I'm hungry for God. If you don't remember anything else about fasting, that's what it's saying deep down. At at the very baseline, it's saying, I'm hungry for God. I must have God. I cannot, uh, my, my, my appetite for food cannot satisfy all my deepest longings. That's what it says. It says, I'm hungry for God. And these people were not hungry for God. That's why it's hypocritical. They were hungry for the praise of men. They were hungry for the approval of people. They were hungry for accolades. They were hungry for spiritual status to be above people. So Jesus calls them hypocrites. Because they were saying with their lives, I'm fasting, which says I'm hungry for God. But they weren't hungry for God at all. They were wanting the approval of people. So Jesus says, don't fast to be seen by men. Now, then he says what to do. Okay, so he's given us what not to do. And then he says what to do, verse 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head, which is like gel, you know, put gel in your hair, um, you know, brush your teeth, wash your face, clean up, for goodness sake, don't look like a slob, put some, you know, put some jeans on, don't wear your sweatpants to work, you know, don't, don't do anything out of the ordinary, right? Do what you would do every other day, okay? So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. Now, there are all ki- there's, there's some seeable kinds of fasting in the Bible that aren't wrong. The people of Israel fasted together as a community at times. Um, in Acts, the church fasted together as a community. We've had some corporate fasts here. Those are not wrong. In fact, sometimes those protect us against um, fasting to be seen by others because you just assume everybody's fasting. So you couldn't possibly be trying to impress other people because you, you think everybody's fasting. Okay? Um, those are not necessarily wrong, having those seeable kinds of fasting. But Jesus is saying, primarily, fasting should be an unseeable thing done before God. It should be a very personal thing done before your Father. You're not supposed to want anybody to see. But notice this. Jesus says, we're not supposed to want people to see us, but we're supposed to want God to see us. You know what I mean? It's wrong to want people to see you, but you're supposed to, like, hunger for God to see you. Like, God, are you watching this? Are you seeing this? I've got hunger for you, God. I need you, God. I cannot be without you, God. If I don't have you, I, I have nothing if I don't have you. That's what fasting is saying to God. So you're supposed to crave the attention of your Heavenly Father. You know, it's like, it's like my daughters. Um, Everything that they do that's significant, they want their dad to see it. You know, Liv drew me a Father's Day card, and it had a, a fish on it. I, I called it a walleye, of course. Um, 
And she had this guy, you know, fishing on a dock, and, and he had a little jig with a twister tail on it. And I'm like, oh, that's my girl, you know. And, uh, and, and they've been, you know, running around the yard. We've been doing some landscaping, and we've been digging out dirt and rocks, and, and they're finding worms. And I think I'm actually turning both my girls into little boys because they love worms and bugs and grubs and caterpillars and all that kind of stuff. But every single one of them, they have to show me. It's like it's an emergency. All of a sudden, I'll hear, Dad! And I'm like, what happened? You know, what's going on? I found a nightcrawler. He's huge. Come and see it, Dad. Come and, come and look at this nightcrawler. And they've got like 100 of them in their bucket already. You know, this is like the 100th worm that I've looked at. But it's very important to show me this one. This one's bigger than all the rest. Or this one's, you know, look at how, he's, look how slimy he is, Dad, or whatever. And, and, and this is sort of the, the attitude of our hearts with fasting. Is anything that we're proud of, anything that we're like, God, look at my effort here. You don't want people to see. You say, what's my heavenly father thinking? Dad, look at me. I'm hungry for you, Dad. I want you, Dad. You're crying out to him. You're saying, look at me. Look at, see my hunger for you, Dad. See how much I love you. I'm willing to not eat today. I'm, I'm living like a mile from five guys, and I'm not eating. That's how much I love you, God. You know? It says something powerful to him. You're supposed to crave his attention. In this way, fasting really highlights who you're more aware of. Are you more aware of the approval? Uh, are you more aware of the opinions of people? What people think about you? Or are you more aware of what God thinks about you? Who do you think about? What are, you know, who do you think about in, in every area of your life? Just take a minute and think about that. What goes through your mind? Are you more aware of other people's thoughts, other people's opinions, other people's ideas? What will they think about this? Or are you more conscious of, what's God think about this? I mean, that even applies to church. When we come to church, are we more thinking about, what do people think of the worship service? What do people think of the time? Or are we more thinking, like, was God pleased with that? Was God, was God joyful over that? Did, that? did that really, you know, bring gladness to his heart? Who are we more conscious of? Are we more conscious of people or more conscious of God? Fasting reveals that to us. It's like a test. We're supposed to want God to see our fasting. We're not supposed to want people to see it. So it's not that you have to do your fasting completely unseen. It's just that you get to have God see it, which is by far more important. Maybe not as instantly satisfying, but the more you go, the more you'll protect it from people seeing you because... You want your father to see it. Now the reward of fasting. Jesus tells us how not to do it, how to do it, and then the reward. What is the reward anyway? Um, you know, I've done a lot of studying about fasting, especially when I first got into it. I studied a lot of the physical uh, benefits of fasting, and, and um, I read this book called The Miracle of Fasting by this guy named Paul Bragg, and he's a super health nut, which I've just you know, shown you my cards at the beginning. I'm not that guy anymore. Um, but I do believe that fasting has some significant physical benefits. Um, and, and that's not part of the reward even, but you know, it, it allows your digestive system to rest. It can cleanse you of, of, uh, of toxins. And, and in that way, it's sort of a spiritual cleanse as well. It allows you time to, to get away from some of the spiritual toxins of life and say, do I really need this in my life? Is this really helping me? Is this really pushing me towards Christ? You know, that could be some of, the, some of the outside bonuses, but that's not the reward primarily that Jesus is talking about. Um, so I want to give you three rewards from Scripture um, for fasting. And there are more, but I think these are the primary ones. Uh, first 
of all, Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, says that fasting reveals what controls us. And in this way, um, it helps us reorient our lives around God. It reveals what controls us. What appetites are controlling you? You know, fasting has a beautiful, violent way of revealing that, um, of, of your, how strong your appetites are, and reveals what's controlling you, what's driving you. Um, there's a scripture in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 through 20, where the Apostle Paul is describing this people. He says, they, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. How would you like to have that said about you? Your God is your stomach. What does that mean? It means that they're, they're, they're driven by their cravings. That's, that's the driving force in their lives. And as Christians, we say, we're not driven by our cravings. We talked about that last week. We, we, we're not driven by our sexual drive. We are driven by God. We are controlled by God, by the Holy Spirit. Um, we, when it comes to food, we are not driven by our cravings. And so fasting says, no, God is our God, not our cravings. Not our stomach. God is our God. If we have him, we literally need nothing else. Now, of course, we need food to live. But at, at the core, at the root, he is everything that we need. Um, in this way, fasting gives us self-control in other areas. I've talked to many people who have gotten free of smoking addiction um, through physical fasting. You know, and it makes sense, right? You say no to your body's most primary need, which is food. And it gives you victory over another craving. Because if you can say no to food, you can pretty much say no to anything. And you might think that your, your addiction to nicotine is really strong, or your addiction to sex is really strong, but you don't know how strong your addiction to food is until you've been a day or two without it. And your body will be screaming. Mine does. I mean, it just screams for food. And then you have to say, no. I'm sorry. I live on the bread of life. He is going to satisfy me. And it gives you power. It gives you control. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. And it gives you some supernatural control in every other area of life. Okay? So like Richard Foster says, fasting reveals what controls us. Helps us reorient our lives around God. It's been a big thing in my life um, in that area. Now, the second area that the second reward of fasting is that it brings about the establishment of God's kingdom and will. Um, Jesus taught this in the Lord's Prayer just a few verses earlier. He taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Okay? So we're supposed to pray for these kingdom things to, to be done in the earth. We're supposed to pray for God's will to take place in the earth. And for some weird reason, God has chosen our puny prayers and our fasting to to literally change the course of human history. You know, I often think that when we get to heaven, we're going to find that, um, you know, the Billy Grahams and some of these people that we all know about, we're not the most influential people in the faith. But some of the most influential people are the little old ladies in their rocking chairs that fasted and prayed for things. Um, And we never knew about them. We never heard about them, but we'll see the power of what they did someday. Because God has chosen this method, prayer and fasting, as one of the methods by which he moves in the world and changes things. You know, um, think about some of the the examples in Scripture. Think about in in the book of Jonah, the Ninevites. You know, God was going to wipe this city out. It was wicked, terribly wicked. 
And the, the people fasted and prayed for three days, and God spared them. 100,000 people. Changed the course of human history. Um, think of the book of Esther. You know, the Jews were going to be wiped out, and Esther caused the Jewish people to fast and pray, and they're all spared. I've got news for you. If, if Esther and all the Jewish people die, there's no Jesus Christ. Jesus was a Jew, Jewish carpenter. Changed the course of human history. Um, Daniel, this is a cool place in Daniel chapter 10 where Daniel is doing this uh, 21-day, um, we call it a Daniel fast, where he's not having any choice food, so basically just fruits and veggies, um, which is healthy for you too anyway. Um, it's just a terrible fast because there's, you know, none of those foods I mentioned earlier are on that list. Um, but Daniel's doing this fast and he's praying to God and this, this angel shows up 24 days later and says, Daniel, from the moment you set your heart to understanding, I was sent. And you're like, whoa, what took you 24 days? And then he's like, but I was detained by this huge demon. So you get this window into the spiritual world, into into the the realm of spiritual warfare that is very real. We just can't see it. Angels and demons. And fasting and prayer has influence in that realm. We don't know exactly how that all works, but it has influence. And so Daniel's fasting and praying, and, and this archangel eventually overcomes this massive demon and comes to Daniel with this message. We see this also in, in the Gospels. Jesus is um, talking to the disciples. They come back, and they weren't able to cast the demon out of this, this certain boy. And they say, why weren't we able to do it? And he says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. It gives you a, a, an interesting level of spiritual authority and power. Okay? Now, um, the, the third and final reason, or the third and final reward for fasting is the most key, and it's the first one. And if you don't keep this first, you will get disillusioned and disappointed with fasting, and you'll stop it, and you'll quit praying. Because if you say, well, I'm going to fast and pray as long as I get victory in my life in every area that I, get, that I need victory, then you'll get disillusioned and disappointed if it doesn't happen. I'm going to fast and pray as long as I see God doing amazing, massive things in the earth and changing human history through my prayers. Well, you're never going to see that to the level that you might like to see that. You're never going to understand that to the level you might like to understand that. So you need, to, you need to go at it with this one first in mind, and that is we fast and we pray to know him. And that's it. That's it. We go to God and we say, God, I must have you. I'm hungry for you. I'm going to demonstrate my hunger for you. See, fasting is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. You know, like Jack was praying today, um, there is a hunger that exists within us that, that's, that we suppress and we, and we try to satisfy it with other appetites, you know? Um, we, we, we think we can satisfy it with, with, with surface appetites, but we really, deep down, are hungering for God. Our souls crave him. They need God. You know, um, Frederick Buechner said that a glutton, and gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins, by the way, A glutton is one who raids the icebox for a cure for spiritual malnutrition. Isn't that interesting? Um, I wonder how many times I've done that, that the Spirit of God has been calling to me. Dave, I I want to draw you closer. Dave, I want to speak to you. And I've said, hmm, you know, some, some trail mix would be good right now. Now I'm not so hungry anymore. Or, you know, you're, you're up late at night and, and Jenny's just made hot fudge and ice cream. And, and, and the Spirit's calling us to pray. And maybe I'm like, 
That sounds really good. I wonder how many times we've tried to cover it up. You know, uh, Taco Bell is open late. Maybe the Spirit's working on you, and all of a sudden you get this craving, but you're like, I think I need a six-pack and a... Well, that's Taco John, six-pack and a pound. I don't know what Taco Bell serves, but you, I, need, I think I need some things uh, from Taco Bell. You know? I need to satisfy that hunger, and we, we do it in another way. See, fasting says that my desires, my hungers cannot be satisfied in food. They must be satisfied in something else. And fasting points us to the only one that can really satisfy us. And, of course, that's Jesus Christ. Now, I, wanted to, I want to give you here as we close um, sort of a picture of a typical day of fasting. Because some of you have never fasted a day. Some of you are seasoned fasters. You're like, I've done this. I'm, I'm, I'm resonating with you. This is tough. Um, and so I want to give you a typical day with me. Now, it doesn't always go this way. Um, sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. But typically, this is what happens, okay? Um, the night before, I'm going to fast. I'll say, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to fast. I'm going to clear my schedule and make sure you have some time to pray, read your Bible, um, things like that. I'm just not going to eat tomorrow. And then I'll wake up in the morning of that day, and I'm absolutely famished. You know? um, and this does not happen every day. You know, so the day I decide to fast, I'm just starving from the moment I wake up. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And usually, I'll, I'll start getting text messages about, hey, you want to do breakfast? Hey, hey, I got a two-for-one deal here. Hey, let's go for lunch, man. And I'm like, no, 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 I really don't want to, um, even though I really want to already. And it's only 8 a.m. So I'll, I'll grab my glass of water, and I'll, I'll, I'll joyfully be on my way into the church. And, uh, you know, some prayer and worship is great, but by about 10 a.m., I'm convinced that I am an idiot. You know, I'm like, this was a terrible idea. Why did I pick this day to fast? I'm sure this is not what God means when he says fasting. I I wonder if it's a misprint in the Bible. Maybe it's prayer and feasting, and I'm doing this all wrong. You know, uh, I would, maybe they just took the E out, you know, and I'm supposed to be feasting, and and I would love to head up that ministry. And and so by about 10 a.m., I'm already really struggling mentally here. And, And by noon, you know, I come to noon, and I'm like, boy, I am hungry. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm sitting in my chair in my office, and, of course, I lean back, and I see that big walleye on my wall. <laughs> and I start thinking, walleye BLTs. Boy, I, lo- I would love a walleye BLT. I would just take that, you know, that filet, and I would just cut it into little sections, and I would roll it in flour, and then I'd dip it in a little bit of egg wash, and I'd roll it in some breadcrumbs, and I'd fry it up just, just perfect and put it on, you know, some, some, some honey white bread from Breadsmith, and, and just with bacon, lettuce, tomato, and mayo, and just cut that thing in two, and it would just be so good right now. And then I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. I'm distracted by the walleye on my wall, and, and, and now, I, now my stomach's growling, and I'm trying my best, God. I'm trying my best to hear you, but now my stomach's growling so loud. Are you sure this is what we're supposed to be doing, God? This can't be your plan, God, because now it's impossible to hear you because my stomach is so loud. And by about 2 o'clock, I'm convinced that I'm dying. <laughs> you know, it's like I've been wandering in the desert for days. And uh, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm dizzy. I, sometimes I've got a headache. I'm like, no, I can't even think, God. You're going to have to do all of it. You know, I can't even, I can't even pray. You know, this is, this is getting terrible. And, and, you know, and I'm thinking about five guys coming to town. And, I'm, and, and usually about that time, Pastor Bill will pop in and say, David, I got a big coupon book for two-for-one butter burgers at Culver's. You want to go with me? I'm like, oh, no, thank you, Pastor Bill. And, uh, and, and really, I want to say, yes, please, Pastor Bill, let, let's go right now. Um, and let's get this. But, but somewhere... In the midst of all that, um, somewhere in the midst of this really awful 
fleshy experience is this cry from deep within my soul that says, God, as much as I would love, uh, you know, five guys, burgers and fries, as much as I would love, you know, a walleye BLT or some of Jenny's hot fudge and ice cream, as much as I would, you know, love a Papa John's pizza with barbecue chicken and bacon and all the good stuff on it, as much as I would love all of that, I want you more. I want you more. And there's something in my soul that rises up and cries out and says, I cannot be satisfied by all these things. I must be satisfied. I must have my hunger satiated in you. My hunger goes deeper than just food. I must find it satisfied in you. This is why Jesus said things like, I have food to eat of which you know nothing about. I say at the end of the day, God... I'm hungry for the bread of life, for Jesus Christ, the only one that can really satisfy me. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you believe that? I mean, this is, this is for real. He's not giving any, any qualifiers here. He's not saying, well, you might go hungry if you actually don't eat for a few days. No, he's saying, if you're starving in a famine in Africa, you will never go hungry as long as you have me. I will always give you, even to the point of death, exactly what you need. Jesus Christ is the bread of life. If we have him, though it even cost us our lives, we're still satisfied. We're still completely filled. We have everything that we ever needed. I would encourage you to run to this bread of life in fasting and prayer and say, God, I need you. As difficult as this is, as much as I want to you know, swing through the drive through I want you more. I must have you, God. I must be satisfied in you. So I want to challenge you. Normally, we have these sort of fasting challenges at certain times during the year, and then we promote like a seven-day or a 10-day or, or whatever kind of uh, different fast. And what I want to promote here is that we would become a fasting, praying kind of people. That we would become a people that, that works this into the regular fabric of our being to be a, a fasting and praying people. Um, I would love to see many of us fast weekly of some sort. Maybe it's just a lunch. You say, I'm going to take my lunch. I'm going to fast and pray for a specific issue. Um, I'm going to fast and pray. And, and always in the midst of praying for a specific issue, you just begin with, God, I'm fasting for you. I must have you. What, I mean, what better thing to remind yourself of weekly than I cannot live on bread alone? I must have Jesus Christ, the bread of life. You know, a Sabbath reminds us that we can't do all the work that is needed in our lives, but that God did work for us on the cross that we could never do. And like that, I think a weekly time of fasting, even if it's short, a short little fast, one meal fast or one day fast, 24-hour fast, whatever it is, you talk to the Lord about it and you decide. It's between you and him anyway. But one day a week, reminder to say, God, food is good. It's really good, actually. And uh, I love it. You know that about me. But this food cannot satisfy every need of me. This food cannot fill me the way that I need to be filled by you. So my challenge is that you would fast and pray weekly. Um, Fast and pray for Life Church, for our mission here, for what's going on with finding grace. Fast and pray that kids would hear the gospel and come to know Jesus. Fast and pray that we get to reach our neighbors and we get to share the gospel with them. Um, I challenge you to fast and pray for areas around the world that are physically and spiritually starving. You know, we pray for a people group like Dr. Olson did this morning, um, the Jews uh, in Hungary. 
And isn't that interesting that we prayed for hungry today and we're talking about fasting? Um, Just making me hungry thinking about it. But uh, there are places around the world that literally there are less than 2% Christians. They They can live and die. They're born, live, and die and never have a chance to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to fast and pray that God would send people to them so they can hear that news. There are places that are starving physically. Many places, children that don't live beyond five because they don't have adequate nutrition. We need to say, God, please meet their physical needs and begin with us. Take our resources and begin with us. Take, take what we have, God. We'll be a part of meeting that need and take the gospel with it. Take physical nutrition and spiritual nutrition together. We need to fast and pray for our missionaries. Uh, you know, Daniel and Carla are coming back in a month. We need to be fasting and praying for them, um, that God would cover them, uh, that God would... Uh, surround them with spiritual support because they have less. You know, they don't have exactly what we have here um, in, the, in the church. Uh, and so fast and pray for them. Fast and pray for Matt and Rachel in Uganda, that God would strengthen them and, and, and fill them and, and create boldness in them and send them out into the areas where they need to go. Now fast and pray for the missionaries that are in your lives and that we support. Uh, fast and pray for your children. This is something I've been really convicted of lately, that we be people, how serious are we about our children coming to faith in God? You know, this, this environment in America continually becomes more hostile to our kids being raised as Bible-believing Christians. The world feeds them all kinds of things. And it literally is a miracle of God if your kids grow up to love Jesus and serve Him. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that any of us are, by the way. But it's a miracle in this culture that they would choose that. And so we need to be fasting and praying, God, work in my kid's heart. Bring them to the knowledge of you. Fast and pray for the unborn. You know, this is an issue that's getting more attention in our lives. And if you're a woman here and you've had an abortion, there's grace and we love you. Okay, we welcome you. But we as a church continue to say this is an atrocity. We can't let this thing go on. And so we need to be a part of fasting and praying for the ending of abortion legally in this country, around the world, and to say, God, make our hearts ready to deal with the issue. Because the issue doesn't stop when the legal portion stops. That just means that a law was passed. The issue stops when people's hearts are changed and we start caring about life. We start saying that every person is a person created in God's image for whom Christ died. That's when the issue starts to, to get better. Fast and pray for marriages. Marriages are under fire from the enemy. He wants to destroy that thing. He wants to ruin the witness that Christians have in the world of Christ's love for his church. That's what marriage is supposed to be a picture of. Fast and pray for the marriages in this church and around the nation. Fast and pray for the leadership of the church. Not just Life Church, but around this city, around our state, around our nation. Pastors everywhere are falling in all kinds of moral failures. Fast and pray for your leadership to have good spiritual direction, to be holy and pure to be faithful to the call of God, to preach the word of God, all of it. Fast and pray for direction in your lives. This is a big thing in the scriptures that people would would inquire of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. You'd fast and pray. You know, are you fasting and praying over the big things going on in your lives? Fast and pray in repentance. This is a lost thing in the church for sure. You know, when we repent of sin, usually it's just a small two-sentence prayer. And, And I'm okay with that, but sometimes... Um, God is going to show us the depth of our sin, and we need to be so serious about it that we need to fast and pray in repentance. You know, David did. He said, against you and you only have I sinned, O Lord. 
with fasting and praying and repentance. Fast and pray for your coworkers as you have influence in your, in your job places, as you go out as missionaries into your spheres and your circles of influence. Are you fasting and praying that God would give you a window, as it says in Colossians, an open door to share the gospel? You know? Um, I just had one the other day at Sam's Club. This dude stopped me, and he wanted me to come to the, the, his, his new uh, hookah place. I guess you smoke this tobacco stuff. And uh, I, I took his car, and like, he's opened up this new hookah lounge, and he's like, you want to do this hookah lounge thing? And I'm like, um, actually, that place is really close to the church I pastor. And, and he's like, oh, you're a pastor, you probably won't need that. And I was like, oh, it's all good, man. And, and eventually I got to share the gospel with the dude. God just opened up a door wide open. First, we're talking about smoking something. I never even, you know, I think I might have seen it at the mall. But then we, all of a sudden, we're talking about Jesus. Fast and pray for your campuses, students. You know, uh, we don't have any of the, uh, the students in here, but um, middle school students, high school students, grade school students, college students, fast and pray for your campuses. You can, have, you can see unprecedented work done there uh, in the name of Jesus Christ through fasting and praying. And then finally, my prayer is that as you begin all these types of fasting and praying, that you would fast and pray simply to know him because you can be satisfied in no one else. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We really love you, God. Um, we want you. We need you. We must have you, God. We, we, we understand our creative purpose is to, is to know you, uh, to enjoy you forever to glorify you forever. And um, so often, Lord, we, we try to satiate that appetite for you with physical appetites. We try to cover it up by eating another cheeseburger, um, by grabbing some ice cream. Lord, may we not do that. May we, may we set aside time to say, I'm going to forego physical appetites. And not that they're bad, but I'm going to forego them because there is a deeper appetite that I must pay attention to that I must see. Lord, may we become a people of fasting and prayer. May we see great things done for your glory, for your name, in this neighborhood and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.